Something new is supported by listeners like you. Visit paypal.com and help this podcast continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation. Are you working on something new? Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to episode 315 of Something New. I'm your host, Joel B. New. Happy Tony Awards! How's everybody doing post awards? I'm recording this on Sunday morning, so obviously the Tonys have not aired yet, but by the time that this episode goes out into the world, we'll have already known um, for several hours who won all of the major awards. Uh, so, so don't tell me. That's a joke. So this is episode 315, and as devoted listeners uh, probably recall from two weeks ago, I wasn't entirely sure who my next guest was going to be, and so then I looked at my episode guide list and realized that I wasn't meant to have a guest this week. Based upon my uh, future guest's availability and what I have in store for future episodes before uh, season three comes to a close, I conveniently had this episode gap and have decided to make this, uh, I think, my first quote-unquote clip show. So episode 315 is a clip show. Um, I don't know if they do this anymore, but do you remember, um, listeners of a certain age, uh, like when sitcoms like The Golden Girls, every once in a while they would have an episode where the girls would just, you know, they'd all wake up in the middle of the night and they'd have something on their mind and they'd get to the kitchen and there would be uh, a cheesecake on the table, and they're all sitting there, and they just recount old episode plots where they're sitting there, and they're like, oh, remember that one time? And then we flash back and we see, like, five minutes of an episode that we've already seen. Um, so that's what we're doing, ladies and gentlemen, Betty White. Wouldn't that be awesome if she were here? Now she left hours ago. She's not a cuddler. And this is not just any ordinary clip show. This is this is not your this is not your this is not your grandma's clip show. I decided uh, to take a slightly, I guess, political stand because the Tony Awards haven't haven't officially aired the Creative Arts Awards in several years. I know that they were they were kicked to PBS for a while. And then they were um, online. I think they're still going to be online. But the fact that, that these major categories like best music and best score, best book, uh, best orchestrations, best costume design, like these huge elements of what makes theater happen are not being aired. And so future creatives... And I, I don't understand that distinction because everyone who is on that stage and is nominated is a creative and is being creative. But future future composers and future costume designers, future book writers, we have no choice. We we, we don't get to see we, we don't we don't get to see our our future counterparts or what have you. There's um I don't know. I think it's really. I think it's I think it's tragic. I mean, I understand the reality of things and you know, time is money, airtime is especially money and and things like that and um if you have money, you can have your Broadway musical perform a number on the Tonys even if your show wasn't nominated and that's business and that you know, and there and there is room for all. I just wish there I, I wish there was room for these amazing artists to have their due in front of a larger audience. That's all. So, in that spirit, episode 315 is dedicated to three of my past podcast guests, all of whom appeared on this season previously, and they are all women songwriters. There's been a slightly louder uproar, at least in on at least on my Facebook news feed for them to air these creative arts awards because simply because of the number of women who are being nominated in categories that are uh, for some reason or other typically dominated by men specifically the best score category where the amazing Janine Tesori and Lisa Crohn's 
show Fun Home is nominated for Best Score. And, and I completely agree. And so that is why I chose to highlight three of my past guests who are amazing songwriters and also just happen to be women. And those guests are, back in January, episode 304, Grace McLean. And back in March, episode 308, Janet Crouppen. And way back in May, episode 314, Kate Steinberg. Uh, we're going to be revi- revisiting highlights from those episodes in just a few moments. Uh, while I have your attention, let's look up these people. Let's look up and s- let's see what they're up to right now. We're just going to get online. Uh, just doing a quick little search on their respectable websites and social media. Um, Grace McLean is doing her solo concert, Grace McLean Lives in Concert, at 54 Below on July 21st at 9.30pm. Certain to be an amazing show. Please go to that. Um, Let's see, Janet Crouppen's movie Hits is now available on Netflix, and I totally saw that as I was scrolling through uh, binge-watching late into the night. Last but not least... Kate Steinberg, just a reminder that on midnight, on the, um, I think like the evening, like, so like technically midnight, June 16th, but the evening of June 15th, she's going to be dropping her first single called Hunt to Kill, and I'm super excited to hear that, and for all of you to uh, be purchasing said single. So that's just a little look into the amazing things that these fine three women are up to. For the latest and greatest on these three fine women, please check out their websites, follow them on social media, tweet them up. They are amazing, amazing people, amazing artists, and they deserve your support. Thank you. Also, some fun updates in uh, my life and some creative goings-on. Let's see, about two weeks ago... After seven years, I, um, I left my job at Samuel Christensen Law simply to, it, it was not a decision easily reached, but it was something that I decided needed to happen in order to make room for other opportunities. Some specific, some just, uh, in general, just making room for, for more opportunities for myself, uh, for my writing, for, for lots of good things. And while some of those things were a little bit more concrete that I th- thought were going to happen, have since not happened, and and I just want to go on record and say that's okay. I have a on-again, off-again relationship with the idea of fate. If something is meant to happen, if we're meant to do this thing, or meant to meet this person, or have this experience, um... I'm not sure. The, the the Joel jury is still out on that one. Sometimes I think things just happen because they happen. But then again, last night I was <laughs> I was watching an episode of Sherlock on Netflix, and uh, someone said that they were talking about coincidence. And I know co- coincidence and fate are kind of uh, the idea of things not being a coincidence. Um, like they're they're close cousins. There's a line I'm going to paraphrase poorly on Sherlock that said something like they were talking about coincidence and someone said that the um that the universe is rarely that lazy or something like that and I found um I don't know that struck me whether or not I was meant to experience the opportunities that I um had been putting out into the universe for myself or not um who's to say but maybe maybe not having those opportunities this time around is making room for something else that's actually supposed to um, be in my life soon or something. I don't know. I don't know, you guys. I'm not sure what my point is in in sharing um, this abstract, vague talking about things that, that I had hoped would happen and did not. But I just want to put it out there because I do believe in putting things out there, and it's something that I ask my podcast guests to do on uh, every time they come and visit me. And so I'm doing the same thing for myself to you now, and that is by saying that I I remain open, and I rem- and, and and I have room. I've I've made room for success, 
and um, I look forward to meeting you there. That's all. Let's see. Let's see. Let's bring this up a little bit. Um, so, in, so talking of cool things, so you probably remember or have heard at this point, hopefully, uh, my my album musical to Hell and Back is getting a one night only concert on the opening night of the New York Musical Theater Festival this summer, which is very very exciting. That is happening on Tuesday, July seventh at six p.m. at the Lori Beachman Theater. And um, if you <laughs> if we've been hanging out lately, I think I've been saying it's the, it's July seventh at seven p.m. It's awesome. It's seven seven at seven. It is not seven seven at seven. It is seven seven at six. So it's like the early bird version of what would have been a really cool poster idea. And thank goodness um, the time, <laughs> the correct time was brought to my attention before I, you know, went all crazy on Vistaprint.com. This episode is brought to you by Vistaprint. Um, so yes, 7-7 seven, seven at 6. Uh, very, very sexy, very catchy. Um, but this is a show that's been around for a while, and I'm really excited to to bring it back into the concert arena and show you uh, how it's shaping up, and we are in the middle of a lot of things getting ready for that concert, which is about a month away. Oh my goodness, um, I just stopped breathing. So to Helen Back in Concert, in, in, in about a month, uh, directed by Lori Walter Hudson, and let's see, some other cool things. Um... I, I did my best to delegate a lot this time, um, including hiring an orchestrator. Can you believe it? I hired an orchestrator, the one and only Scott Wasserman, who's incredible, and he is also involved in Hamilton, which is um, transferring to Broadway as we speak, and I'm so pleased to have him on board, and I've, I've, I've heard a little bit of what he's been up to on the To Hell and Back score, and it's just nothing short of phenomenal. I'm so grateful and excited to share what he has been doing uh, with with my score. Um, we are in the middle of... We're about to finalize casting, which is super exciting. And uh, so we'll be definitely announcing those names and all that fun stuff uh, very, very shortly. Um, Scott is handling the band orchestrations, and I'm handling the vocal arrangements, so I've been very busy making sure that the score is being fully realized in that way. Um, we talked about delegating. Oh, my music director is Joshua Zecker-Ross, who's wonderful, and um, and also a collaborator of my last guest, Kate Steinberg. So we're just keeping it all in family. There's soon going to be a dedicated website to, to Helen Back. Um, I will let you know what that URL address is as soon as I decide what it is. Um... I took a took a whim. On a whim, I went and saw if uh, I went to see if tohelandback.com was available, and it technically is, but someone is like hanging on to it, and then I have to like buy it from them. And um, I mean, what a lazy, sad profession. Maybe I'm only saying that because I'm jealous that I didn't think of it. But there you have it. And so I reached out to the people who own tohelandback.com. And it was very, you know, their their answers were very, very uh, boilerplate. But they were, they're, they're like, please, please be prepared to make a bid um, in the uh, websites with this type of uh, domain name often sell for the tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> they're like, what will, what will your bid be, sir? <laughs> I think I said five dollars. Um because that's just ridiculous. I'm not going to give you tens of thousands of dollars that I don't, I really don't have to give you a, uh, to give myself a website. I'm just going to figure it out. You can keep your tohelandback.com. Dot com. So yeah, I'm really excited to start this clip show, so I'm about to do that in a second. Um, if you want to hear any of these full interviews or any other interviews from the past three seasons, they are all available on joelbnew.com for free. Uh, that's over 50 episodes, over 50 guests, over 50 songs, concerts, readings, interviews. It's a lot. 
it's a lot of Joel talking, but I highly recommend that you go check it out because my guests are the best in the biz, and I've already seen so many of them just get bigger and better. Um, I don't want to say it's because they run my show. I'll I'll let the critics decide. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up and um, enjoy the rest of my iced coffee. What's left of it. And I'll let you get to episode 315, The Clip Show, Female Songwriters. From my apartment in Inwood, this is Joel B. New saying thank you for dropping by for something new. introduced to the concept of looping um, by a playwright friend of mine, Tommy Smith, who lives in L.A. now, but he was working with Reggie Watts a a bunch a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. and um, showed me some videos of him, and I thought, well, that's so neat. I can sing in concert with myself and be like a one-man band, but I don't have to, like, play an instrument. And I don't have to pay anybody. Exactly. Yeah. So I'd I'd been wanting one for a while, and eventually, one year for my birthday, two or three years ago, I just Googled, what kind of looper does Reggie Watts use? And then it was this <laughs> electroharmonics thing. So I went and I got one. Um, and I've been playing with it ever since, and um, it's really fun. It it's, looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really just an elaborate magic trick. Once you know how to do it. You're writing a ton on it and presenting a, a, a lot, performing a lot with it, mm-hmm. and you've got this cover series. Yeah. Yeah, talk to me about that. Well, that was just a way to sort of force myself to continue to experiment with the looper and Mm to um yeah to push some boundaries and also to just have some regular content Mm -hmm. to to stay engaged with the music world so you're just pushing to you're you're giving you're pushing yourself to find an audience and you're pushing yourself to have deadlines exactly and And i just want my listeners to be listening to this like this is this is such a common theme and i love it Uh, that people just i needed to be creating and i needed and, and, and that's what I did. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. And, you know, some of them are more successful than others, and, and that's okay, but it's good to just be generating mm-hmm, mm-hmm. work. What's your worst one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly, my worst one. I don't know. I think the... Um, I, I kind of like it, but I think maybe the weirdest is... The Always Be My Baby cover, the Mariah Carey cover. I, I did Ooh, that. it's super dark, isn't it? Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. I did that because I, I work with this group called the Dance Cartel. Sometimes they're a, they're a dance company, and they do put up these shows at the Ace Hotel called On the Floor, and it's like an, uh, an interactive dance party show. Cool. And there's one moment where there's a singer who comes and does something, and that singer is me. Uh-huh. Um, and so uh, Ani, the woman who who runs the group had asked me to do something with that song to do a dark interpretation of it so I did and that's what I put up there and uh it's just really weird (laughs) (laughs) google it you guys google it now who who are your musical influences ah very nice so I love those ladies I love those singer-songwriter ladies I'm going to talk about Regina Spector for sure honestly when I first started listening to her she it was like she was giving me permission to be simple and weird and uh, personal. Yeah, I, when I heard her, uh, Soviet Kitsch is one of my favorite albums. Uh, it's one of her earlier albums. And there's a song where she's like playing one chord on the piano and then the back of a kitchen chair with a drumstick. And I was like, oh, okay. I If that woman is doing that, then I'm going to do some weird stuff too. Yeah, But it's still like, cute and accessible and quirky and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Nellie Mackay. I love Nellie Mackay. She's terrific. She's just super kooky, but she's a great musician and she's so fun on stage and just a charming personality. Um, and I love that she is so political, too. I mean, that's not oh, a thing yeah. that I, I wouldn't... I don't know if I would know where to begin. I'd be scared of that, but she is. she's just fearless. Yeah. She does whatever she wants. I love that. Um, and also, are you familiar with the Tune Yards? I am not. They are super cool, man. I really dig this band. This is woman, Meryl Garbus, and she uses a looping station as well, and it's her, and um, she's a drummer as well. So she's she's has studied, like, Haitian drumming, so it's all these crazy rhythms. Whoa. And she, all, she has a drummer over here. She's got a bassist. 
think on one of her first albums, there are a bunch of horns too. She used a bunch of saxophones, but they're not touring, touring with the horns right now. And then she'll have singers. And um, she just does really interesting stuff with um, rhythm and harmony. Um, and she just is not afraid to like make weird, big, ugly sounds. I love it. One thing that, that I was reminded of when I was watching your, your loop videos was, and I hope this is a compliment, mm -hmm. um, Bobby McFerrin. Mm -hmm. Like I heard, I don't know if that was an intentional influence or I just, no, I because I mean, he's singing with himself and doing absolutely. an acapella and yeah. doing some really cool grooves and yeah. like you're a very cool groove lady. You're a groovy lady. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be, when when the guy, when I was in elementary school, the band leader came around and was like, oh, let's do this after school music program. And my parents were musicians at the time. And I went home and I said, I want to learn how to play the drums. And they said, well, we have a saxophone, so you're going to learn how to play that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I learned. But I, uh, yeah, I, um, I like the rhythm. All right, here's a good question. How, mm. how does your career as a musical theater performer mm influence or help your singer songwriter stuff oh that's interesting i really think it's the other way around i think that i have learned to be a better musical theater performer because of um the work that i do with my band in front of an audience i mean it's mm -hmm. it, it's me but it is like a grace character um who i have discovered just by being in front of people and by having to perform my own work and interact with the crowd and try to get them engaged. Like there is a dialogue that's go that that's very present in, you know, being a performer of just song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then in theater, Concert, there's that. Cabaret. There's that. Right. Yeah. There's that um, fourth wall. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm just so much more aware of the audience now that I I have all of this sort of experience of just being in front of people and interacting. Um, uh, with an exclamation point uh, with that audience uh -huh. that that's still happening in the theater. There's still an interaction happening. It's not necessarily so direct, but it's absolutely there. Hmm. And it's, uh, you know, you can't be afraid of it. And nope. I, I think that there's there's something to that. There's like a little a little love affair that's going on. We're on, we're on a weird mob date together. <laughs> and we got to figure out are, are in the notes. So, speaking of your band, and I withheld the name of your band in your bio, because I tried to um, withhold the name until the very end. Oh, so so, so can we talk about Grace McLean and Them Apples? Sure. Um, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the title or the project? or? Yeah, so, uh, well, I guess, so this is your band. This is your yeah, band project. Right. So who's all in that? So it's me. Mm -hmm. uh, Justin Goldner on the bass and Hiroyuki Matsura, friends call Matsu, on percussion. Great. Uh, sometimes I'll have some backup singers, but at this next concert I'm doing, I, I, don't, I am not going to have any. Okay. Um, yeah, and but the, the the core is us three. Okay. And um, yeah, I love working with these guy these guys because they're better musicians than I am. I think I have to stop saying that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I agree. But what's great is that I can go in there and I can say things like, this moment has to be like a wave crashing against a cliff. And then right after that, we have to like have the whole receding, uh, you know, that the ebb of the ocean. And then we got to reveal some, the tide pools under there. And then Justin will be like, backbeat. <laughs> make this sound, I'm going to pay a counter melody. You know, like, they'll it, turn they'll, that they'll into they'll something. They'll interpret it, yeah. Yes, and I love that. I, so we really are creative together. Yeah. Um, and I can talk in weird half poetry, and they can make it into something useful. I love that. <laughs> I work um, mostly, my, when I work with a drummer, it's usually my friend Jessica Winderweedle, and I have, um, and I just make sound effects to her. I'm like, mm. you know, and she she completely understands, but we've been working Amazing. together for, like, five years. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get yeah, that. That's nice when you can have that weird It's really shortcut. nice. So, so them apples, where did that come from? Um, I think it actually came from when I, <laughs> I was How dating. How about them apples? Well, yeah, I was dating someone at the time, and he was starting a band. Or he was, he was, yeah, he was in a band, and they were looking for a good name. And me and my roommate were just throwing around things that we thought were funny. And, that, <laughs> and then when we said them apples, 
and my boyfriend was like, well, I'm not going to use that. And I was like, I think that's hilarious. I think I have to keep that. So it started out as like, uh, like a jab and a joke, <laughs> but then it became apparent that that is what I, I, yeah, I wanted to embrace that yeah. jab and joke. Yeah. yeah Cause I'm afraid, I'm afraid of too much seriousness. Um, Ooh, don't, I don't want to put an audience to sleep ever. But well, sometimes, sure. sometimes yeah. you got to go there. But I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I keep it few and far between. And generally, you know, this is all like personal stuff that I write about. But I try not to be like, girl with the guitar, like singing about a sad thing. I'll be like, girl with a not a guitar, singing about a sad thing. Aren't I an idiot? Like, it's a lot of, yeah. I'm going to poke fun at myself and my weird. Self deprecating a little bit. Yeah, that's a word. I told you my brain is not really working today. <laughs> I'm using 50,000 words it is when wor- there's one. It is. <laughs> it's working just fine for oh, me. Okay. <laughs> so so what kind of music are um, is Grace McLean and, and the Mapples? And how does it oh. differ from mm. Grace McLean in Descendants? I mean, oh, it doesn't. It doesn't? Yeah, it's just, do I have the band just or do I not have the band? Awesome. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do I have them apples or do I just have grace? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, the music is, um, it's, it fits in the genre of singer-songwriter, I guess, because I feel like singer-songwriter just means, like, songs about love and about yourself and stuff. Um, (laughs) But it's also, like... And they're happy and... Yeah, they're happy, they're fun, they can be kind of funky. Yeah. Um, Definitely poppy. Not... I'm not writing like dance music or anything, um, but yeah, kind of kind of groovy tunes. This is Janet Krupen. I remember, like, when I met Lin Manuel Miranda via Bring It On, I had loved him via like YouTube stalking for many moons. Uh, and and he's a great example of like, here's not a he didn't fit the cookie cutter. He wasn't ingenue. He you know, and and he built a vehicle for his own talents and skills, and that's what I'm trying to do. Um, does any of your work in Trillium now translate into making you a better musical theater performer? Yeah, yeah. It's, I didn't expect that part. Um, I kind of would compare it to, like, again, struggling against the standards of, like, feeling like I had to be an ingenue and be princessy type and in order to be successful. Um, Trillium, I got to sit down and be like, you know what, what do I... What do, if I could wear anything and sing anything and do any... and. What, and still be successful. What does it look like? And the the much I'm I'm a lot happier now, you know. Like I cut my hair. <laughs> I, I was like I'm gonna wear this black t-shirt because I want to wear this black t-shirt. And and okay. on it. Well, but like I'm sure anyone who works in musical theater knows like your look is like. So I thought I had to be this thing and and uh-huh. and, and just being like screw this, screw this, screw this. What's real? You know that movie Three Hundred at the end where he like puts down his. Uh, his shield because it's heavy and he takes off his thing because he's this he's like all I need is my spear I kind of feel like that guy (laughs) where I'm like this is bullshit this is bullshit this is bullshit now I'm ready Um, I feel that's wonderful I feel um, like I've kind of been like I I was Peter Parker and now I'm Spider-Man it feels good and I want to make other people feel that way yeah this is the other thing about our our Trillium shows are unique that people have been responding to and um, usually it's a guy behind a laptop Maybe uh-huh. a singer behind the lap and a singer too, and God love Ellie Goulding, but like I want to tear that stage up more. Yeah. I mean, I want to do that like Michael Jackson thing where you cannot take their eyes off of what they're doing, and I work really hard on stage to involve the audience to like make you feel like you are a part of this journey. I want to be present with you. I remember going to these concerts, or like the reason why I try so hard to make the stage door experience so nice is because Hugh Jackman gave me five seconds of attention when I saw Boy From Oz when I was like 17, and I was on the ceiling for months. Hmm. So I work really hard in my Broadway life and also in the EDM life to like make sure that when you come to the show, you you get attention because being part of it is so much better than just watching it. I mean, I remember going to rock shows. Like, you push to the front just to make eye contact with the people. Yeah. You know? Um, I can't I can't explain it, but mm-hmm. it's it's way more fun. I find it way more fun to, inc- to inc- include the crowd. And those experiences start with writing the songs. Oh, yeah. Um, so when you do a remix or mm-hmm. cover or you write an original... Um, what are some of the key elements that, that you found that are common to, like, a successful EDM track? Uh, simplicity is the one big one that I uh, 
did not have a grasp of when I first started writing it. You know, musical theater is about story, and you usually get you usually get to write in sentences. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and dance music is needs to be like just the tiniest little nugget of the idea. You know, yeah, uh, but you can be there for like nine minutes. Well, I think it's really evident actually if you look at Aurora just text wise. There's a lot more text in Aurora, and us again. It was like this boiling down process of like what is here. Us again was actually like a three minute demo that I sent to Alex. I recorded it in my dressing room at If Then during the show because when you're a swing, you have a lot of time on your hands. It's also a, a simpler show. Like if I was swinging a big dance show, yeah. Well, but I mean, If Then is a lot of walking and moving tables. <laughs> uh, so, but thank you for the job. Yes. Uh, but so uh, it was a three-minute demo, and I sent it to Alex, and he was like, honestly, I don't like any of it except this couplet. All of a sudden, I feel the wind. Can't we just be us again? This is great. And I go, okay. The other thing I learned from Broadway and the, being the part of the gestation of three Broadway shows is you got to kill your babies. Like, oh, yeah. You got to kill those darlings. Kill them. Bring them up again. Kill them again. So um, us this again. Is, this is one of my dead babies that we sent Love today. it. That's coming back to life. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the cool things is there's so many parts and pieces. And, like, Alex and I are working on a new EP now called Circuit. It'll be out in the next month or so um, when we finish it. The awesome. good thing, we meant to have it out now, but, like, live shows happen and you, he's in law school and I'm on Broadway. <laughs> so time, <laughs> yeah, is, time is limited. Yeah, a little busy. Um, what was I just talking <laughs> about? Oh, uh, Circuit. Talk, yeah, like things that you... Well, so ideas that don't make it into one song. And I'm like, no, I really like this... Uh, the prelude, which is, like, I think the thesis for the, not only the album, but, like, I feel really good that it's the first thing that you hear on a trillion thing, and especially out of my writing canon. The first thing is, <laughs> I'll spend my whole life long chasing ways to live inside a song. And I feel good about that being a thesis for the Aurora EP, and everything is backing that up and supporting that, because I'm sure that everyone who works in music or the arts understands that there is it's the best medication for for the hurts and pin, like the things that happen to you in life you're a human and the human condition is an itch and like music makes it feel better and music makes you empathy happen and you relate to your fellow human like my favorite part about broadway is like you're plunged into darkness with like 500 other people and you're all going to experience the same ride. <laughs> and you're all going to just sit there and not, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're not going to answer your phone. You're not like, like there's a lot of trust in, mm-hmm. in the theater. Yeah. And we're all just going to sit there and behave ourselves. Yeah. It's a beautiful unspoken contract. It's so great. Yeah. And it's rare. And the older I get and the, the, the more, <laughs> the older I get, the more life I lead, the more I realize how beautiful the chances are to just sit and be quiet and watch something beautiful. <laughs> like Amen. we are so fortunate to, I feel fortunate to be able to on, to be on stage and have the chance to literally like being a rock. Like here was like being on Broadway. I was like, I can sing and I can dance and here's the thing I can do. But like being a rock star, that was like the farthest possible <laughs> dream ever. I was like, that's probably not going to happen. And now that we're like, like I've got my fingertips on it. It's yeah. really f- cool. <laughs> You've worked words first. Have you worked beat first? We've worked both ways. Yeah. So, uh, again, I had notebooks, one notebooks, one notebooks that I've been going through and being like, this is good, this is crap. Uh, and Alex had been making beats for years, casually. So, like... So, you um, just, like, a ton of samples to So, we sit when we go through and he'll click and I'll be like, uh, no, 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 I like this one. And we pull it back out and we shake it out and we start massaging it around and see what's there. So, back to the Aurora EP. Mm-hmm. That came, when did that come out? Uh, July 26, 2014. Oh, you know the exact date. I love it. Yeah, well, we. The, <laughs> uh, when, someday I hope to just be the artist. I mean, maybe that's not how it works, but like right now we are a producer, performer, PR, manager. I'm, yeah. I built that website. I built TrilliumTribe.com from hmm. nothing to what it is now, and I'm. It's like a collection of everything we've done, so I'm proud of that. But like, yeah. like this show March six, we're promoting too. Like, absolutely, we're I'm, always promoting. But like, I look forward to the day where I'm not personally counting every single ticket that gets sold to make sure that we reach the base the that base, the, the, they, won't, won't, so they won't ask from us, so yeah. uh, so we can headline, and because we don't want to be on a side stage, we're way better for this. So. Yep. Please buy your tickets. <laughs> and it's worth more if you get the table, so... Darn right. Uh, that's been half of the hustle, is like... Because uh, it's not just about the art, it's not just no. about creating it. You have to make sure that yeah. people are aware of it, 
Otherwise, you're just kind of making music in your bedroom. I was talking about this with somebody the other day. I think it's 30, 30, 30, 10. 30% talent content, 30% hustle, 30% who you know, and 10% total luck. (laughs) Wow. I would think luck would be larger. I Well, I think that you can hustle. I mean, this is how I feel about Broadway. Like, I think I I worked hard and content and we're here, but, like, I'm bumping up against, like, I'm not getting called in for leads. I'm not. Like, you got to be being, a, you got to be kind of famous and you got to sell those tickets to, like. Isn't that crazy? But then where it's it's very chicken and the egg. Like, which comes first? Like, you have to get the. I think you either have to get lucky or you have to get smart. And I'm trying to get both. Make sure you purchase your $12 tickets to my mid-season concert happening Friday, April 24th at 9.30 p.m. at the Duplex in the West Village. A ticket link can be conveniently found on the joelbnew.com homepage. While you're there, you can also access the entire Something New episode archive by clicking on the podcast tab. You'll find episodes featuring conversations and performances by the likes of singer-songwriter David Allen Thornton and 2015 Mac Award nominees The Skivvies. Doing a cover or someone else's music is the challenge is how do I internalize it like my own and make it my own and in some cases they've become even more my own than my own songs I would love a dulcimer I would love yeah. a but lot that means of schlepping you yeah. see we already carry so many with only two of us and we look like crazy people on we look like we are homeless because we have so much on the subway when we walk when we down the street commute to the gig it's like we need more hands if we're going to have more instruments. Mm-hmm. Roadies, if you will. Anybody out there? Roadies? Anyone, Anyone? out there? You can just email Joel and... <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to ask from the world? Is that is that what you'd like to ask? Well... Put it out there. Uh, for the rest of my life, I want very badly to create art and have m- create other opportunities for other artists to make art. And my three goals in life are make art, pay the bills, save the world. And I'm not going to be shy about saying that anymore because that's no. what I mean. Uh, in my wildest dreams, like, we have, like, like, we become, like, Bill and Melinda Gates. Like, we have, like, a Trillium Foundation, and, like, we can sponsor people who want to make art with their lives and be able to pill their bills. Like, I want to make sure, I would, like, would love mental health to be more of a, like, not taboo subject in America, and I would want that to be part of it, because I think dance music feeds so into your inner wellness. Like, I have some big, big goals, and, and I also would love to play lead in a Broadway show, and I would also love to, you know, perform at the Grammys. Like, all of these things are possible. They just take a whole bunch of ducks in a row. Yep. So... A lot of time, a lot of money. A, lot, a little bit of luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 33, 30, 10. I was having dinner... Who did I have dinner with last night? Oh, my bestie, Ava, who designed the Trillium logo. She is in grad school at it's Parsons. It's a beautiful logo. I was Thank curious you. what it means. So Trillium is actually a wildflower. Oh. Uh, and uh, my parents are super dorky love you but like they know all the names for all the flowers and we would go on hikes when I was little and they're like like, here's a lupin here's a you know Indian paintbrush and here's a trillium and I always thought that sounded cool and when trill answered kind of urban dictionary to mean like true and real Hmm. and we were endeavoring to make dance music that was integrity based uh, I also liked how it sounded elemental like it might be on the uh, table of elements you know like kind of nuclear yeah and then the logo um this is funny. Alex and I had both separately before we met toyed around with the concept of tiger lily. Um, and I liked, and I started drawing kind of a ninja flower, like a fiercely beautiful uh, growth based object. Like, it's, it's hard to pick a name for things, but uh, that ninja flower uh, is was the original concept. And now we call it the scar star because it's kind of about that phenomenon of what was supposed to kill you instead making you stronger and i wear it on my eye for shows because uh we we struggled a lot with like how do how do i this is separate from my acting career yeah And, and i didn't want to be over the top and i was like how do i be brilliant cheaply and quickly i got black eyeliner i'm gonna do that i got black eyeliner yeah you're like gem I love Jim. <laughs> but also, I wanted it to be kind of punk and kind of badass, but like still based on something. I didn't. Yeah. I never, ever, ever want anything we do to be sound and fury signifying nothing, which I think at its worst EDM can often be. Yeah. So everything uh, has meaning behind it. 
Well, I love the Aurora EP. Thank you. Um, Us again is is definitely my favorite in Aurora. I think I think just like my favorites just keep going down the line Bomb. until yeah. It's it's been so much fun. I've I've, I've definitely well. I should play you. Room. I should play you the very first version of Battle Scars. So Battle Scars was one song and okay. it was super musical theatery. Like okay. I played it for Alex and he was like, um, and I was like, you don't like it. And he was like, well, <laughs> I was like, okay. So we let it sit and he and uh, I asked for a track. That I was like, I got one that kind of sounds like this and he. He sent me a version of Battle Scars Part 1, and I started writing to it. Again, you kill your darlings. I threw all the stuff out except what I liked, which was the concept of having a matching Battle Scar with someone that you meet, and you're like, oh, we've both been through. I know how. Yes, I know about your, and you know about my. Oh, cool. Cool. Like, and, like, it's a shorthand. Yeah. The scar is a shorthand. I'm, I'm, again, tossing that princess out the door. Uh... We are all fighting, like, what's that quote about, like, uh, be nice to everyone, we're all fighting our own battles? I think there's just a humanity that you need to be aware of, and Matching Battle Scars was about it. So we threw all the, so there's, like, I'll play you the original, maybe I should send it to you, but, like, uh, Matching Battle Scars is in both of them. Um, uh, Run, like, there are things that made it through. Mm -hmm. Uh and it, I, it's, it's like ret- returning themes, returning motifs, yeah. things like that. Well, so uh, Battle Scars Part 2 was actually the version that came out first when we started messing around, and then, then um, Battle Scars Part 1. But I love how one of the reviews was like, it's theatrical. It feels like a show. Like, you start out, this happens, and then it amps up, and then there's a finale, and then there's a... Yeah. And I'm like, yes! Yep. And they all weave in together. Like, there's no, there's no like, bump, bump. Because button. Alex is awesome, is and he awesome. did it on purpose. I don't know how he did that. But Very like, carefully. <laughs> <laughs> but just all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm in my shower, and I'm listening to Us Again, uh-huh. and then I'm like, oh, wait, now I'm in, um, I'm, I'm in uh, Bandit. Yes. And, which is also a great Thank song. Thank you. Bandit was the first one Alex and I did together. That was the one where I went over there that first day that I was scared. Uh-huh. I actually had two, <laughs> I had two beers before I went because I was so nervous. Uh, if <laughs> then got over on things. like a Sunday, I went to Iron Bar, I had two beers, I got on the train, I went to Brooklyn. <laughs> and, he, and he had a track, I think it was called Burritos. And, uh, <laughs> and I had, Bandit was actually the first version that I started writing. We were, if then was in D.C., and I would take my guitar, my guitar that I can play like 10 chords on, and I start, I was totally heartbroken about some guy, and I started writing, oh baby, he's the best kind of bandit, and he does this, and he does this, and I should have known better, blah, 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 blah. And, I was, and everyone liked bandit. Everyone liked it. They were like, this is your best song yet. I was like, I'm so pissed. I wrote this song about this guy who doesn't deserve it. And then I started thinking about it more, and I was like, he's not the bandit. I'm the bandit. Mm-hmm. I walked in. I left the door unlocked. I'm the angst. I'm the one who goes out and drinks too much when I have something to sing the next day. Like I'm the one who's. I'm the bandit. Kate Steinberg. In terms of writing for, for theater, you know, you you want to think about what's happening before and after the song and what the song is supposed to achieve and like mm-hmm. what is the trajectory of the character and, you know, what how should they be growing throughout the course of the song. Yeah. Um. And I do feel that it's kind of the same way in in the, my songs that I write as well. You, I, I think it's important to be able to connect with an audience and have them be able to relate to what it is that you're saying. Absolutely. Um, and a lot of people write for themselves, and that's okay too. Um, but I think it's important for me to be able to have people relate to the song and gravitate towards it and have their own personal experience that they can think the song is like, written about something that they have felt in their life. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's also coming from a, like, what is that character supposed to achieve? What are they trying to say to the audience? Like, mm. how... how uh, in, in my songs, I like to show that there's, like, some growth, you know, whether it's staying stagnant and feeling the same way that you felt at the beginning of the song, but having, like, a journey and trying to overcome something in the middle of it, yeah. and then you're just still stuck. Yeah. And I think that's that's a journey, too. Absolutely. Just kind of an up and down. Is it, is it safe to say that when you when you write for musical theater, you're writing for, you're, you're writing for a character? And yes. For, and, and when you're writing your singer-songwriter stuff, you're writing for the audience. I'm writing for the audience, but I'm also writing for... to, to tell a story that I think is important to tell. Yeah. And, and it's more personal. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely more personal um, in terms of my experience. Do you write at the piano or away? Both. Yeah. Um, in terms of like melody and stuff, or in terms of I'm just, anything? I just want to know how you do what you do. Like that's just, yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just excited to hear. I um, I guess a lot of times it depends if there's a piano at my disposal. Yep. Um, yep. And 
then I carry around like a little notebook on the train with me and I'll and my sound recording app, the voice memo app yeah. on my phone is oh, like my best me. friend. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just be like driving in my car and I'll just record something and then I'll listen back and be like, Why did I do that? What was that? <laughs> but if you have an idea, I feel like you just shouldn't let it slip away because there's so many times when I'll be writing with somebody else. And I'll do something, and they'll be like, whoa, that was awesome. What'd you do? Can you do it again? And I'll say, nope, I don't know what I just did. (laughs) That's organic. So, um, I don't know. It's it's a little bit of both for me. Sometimes I'll just walk around and, like, sketch out an entire song lyrically first and then try and figure it out. And I had a co-write session today where all of the music came first, and I oohed all of the melody and rhythms and stuff. Yeah. And then you kind of get stuck in that. And then have to figure out how to fit your lyrics to your melody. Yeah. And sometimes that's a little that. bit... Like, it's it's an it's awesome freeing. challenge. It's a, Yeah, it's, a, it's like a freeing challenge. I totally. Think. And yeah. then you have to figure out, okay, should I break out of that melody that, that I created? Because these lyrics are cool, but they don't go with what I just did. Yeah. So it's what you're more tied to, basically. Mm-hmm. So that segues brilliantly into co-writing and yes. collaborating. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I planned it. <laughs> <laughs> Beautifully done. So, so on your different projects, you do have like co-songwriters. Is that mm-hmm. a correct term or co-writers? Yeah, co-writers. And um, I know on your musical, you had a you had a book writer. Who did you write that with? Stacy and Joshua Zachary Ross. Yes, and Stacy Weingart. Yes, okay. Yeah, Josh did music and lyrics with me, and Stacy did book and some additional the lyrics. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. I forgot it was a, a trifecta. <laughs> it was a trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've got that, and I'm sure, um, and like because you've written jingles and stuff, you've got producers and to, to probably maybe collaborate with and directors and, and all those sorts of things. So, um, I don't really have a question. I just wanted to do... know more about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I can tell you like, more. Yeah, um, I have definitely learned that I thrive off of collaborations. Um, and I don't, I don't know if you feel the same way, but when you're working on something internally and you've been like plucking away, plugging away at it for a while and either you get stuck or you just don't know if it's any good anymore yeah, or yeah. there's something that like, you know, could be better, but you're so, you're so close involved to in it. it. You're so yeah, close yeah, to yeah. it that you just like, can't figure out what the hell to do. Yeah. Um, and I have found either having a, a collaborator or having someone who who I trust musically and personally to just, like, bounce something off of and mm-hmm. just say, like, I am so stuck right here. Do you like this better or this better? And then they either say what they like better or say, like, or this. And I'm like, I've been, like, banging my head against the wall for, like, three days and yeah. really it was just, like, that one word that, like, I was missing. <laughs> and also, you're right and I hate you. <laughs> and also, I love you. <laughs> um... And when I'm when I'm co-writing in terms of you know musicals or in terms of just like songs, um, I I love being able to just like feed off of that person's creative energy, especially yeah. if you work well together. Yeah. And a lot of times it'll be like a tiny snippet of something that they do that inspires me to just like go off into a whirlwind of ideas. Yeah. And and vice versa, it's really nice to be able to write with someone who all of a sudden. Like, like what happened to me today, we wrote something really cool in, like, yeah, three and a half hours because we just liked sitting with each other and understood each other, and yeah. he's a composer for commercials, too, so he comes at songwriting from a very, like, uh, you have to get it done quick, you're on a deadline, you know, he, he comes at songwriting from a, like, let's try this, let's try this, this is something that we do, this is something that we do, and... We both just, like, spit a bunch of ideas. And I like working with those types of creative, too. Yeah. Um, I don't like... But they're not, like, married to anything. They're, yeah, they're not as married to anything. And, like, that's where I feel like Berkeley was nice. Because in my songwriting classes, I couldn't be married to anything. Or yeah, I would yeah. cry. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing babies before they were born. Yeah, you just gotta yeah. kill all of them. Kill all of them. Um, and, like, I mean... Pardon my expression, but like you just throw enough shit against the wall and like hopefully something something sticks something sticks. Yeah. Um, and like or maybe you could just like scrape some of the shit off the wall and like put some. Oh, this is gonna get yeah, really graphic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like maybe some of the <laughs> strung together makes a beautiful <laughs> necklace. <laughs> <laughs> or if you smear it around, all of a sudden you see a face. <laughs> Oh my god, wow. here we are. Something new. Something Donate new. money on PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> More expressions like that. 
It's a beautiful metaphor. I'm really glad it stuck around <laughs> as long as it did. It's like, this is going somewhere. Keep talking about the game. You got it. You got it. You're there. You're almost there. <laughs> necklace. That's where we're Necklace. That's beautiful. And so, so next week, there's going to be a song called <laughs> Necklace. <laughs> Lorenzo, my birthday's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> that is disgusting. That's disgusting. I've, I've now... I've now, <laughs> now we're edited. We're officially censored. <laughs> so you write jingles and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yes, what you like and what you want. That doesn't always apply uh-huh, when you're uh-huh. working with clients. Um, and it's 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 difficult sometimes because they'll they'll give you a description of something that they want. They'll give you the brief and the breakdown, yeah. just like in musical theater. Mm-hmm. And you write something, hopefully, to those specs, and hopefully it's, like, what they meant when you were reading that. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And they say, oh, no, what I actually really liked in that was, like, how the kick drum pattern is doing that. You know, when they give you a reference. Uh-huh, and you're uh-huh. like, that was all you liked from that? I'm like... like the kick drum. Yeah, like, <laughs> I've worked so hard to write something kind of in this vein, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Then you kind of go back to square one, take keep your kick, kick keep, drum, keep and then it. move forward. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's definitely... It's, again, you can't be married to anything. And I think that's an important lesson to learn as a creative if you're working with other people even though sometimes it's frustrating when you're on a deadline and you have to keep like going back tearing the pieces apart revising trying it again trying it again when you actually please the client and you did what they want and they're like good this is what I was looking for and you're like I I did it that was really difficult and that was a challenge and like that should have taken a much longer time than the time I was allotted to do it, but yeah. I did it. Oh my god, now I need a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I want to do it again. And then I want to do it again. Or just, like, take a week of breathing time and then do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> any advice for any of my listeners who are maybe performers looking to to see if they're good at songwriting? Uh, just try it and test it out on audiences and see what the reaction is. And I, I mean... The other, the I do a lot of cover gigs because that's yeah. where the money oh, is. Oh, that was a question I had. Uh oh, did I skip ahead? No, no, I think I just skipped it. Oh, I do cover gigs. I do cover gigs. <laughs> do you want to ask the question? Yes. Okay, go. Um, I wanted to talk about the art of covering songs. Oh yes. So, how faithful must you stay to the original? Like, I don't. You, you don't. I well, I do sometimes. If it's a song that someone. Uh, wants me to learn, or if it's a song that like I feel like I should throw in my book, mm-hmm. I'd like to do like creative spins on it just to keep it interesting for, for myself, you. especially yeah. when I'm playing for bored. like five hours, which happens. Oh, uh, it's, wow. it's a long time. I've learned a lot about stamina doing cover gigs, and that's an important lesson too. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I'll listen to the song a couple of times, and I'll like figure it out, and then I will stop listening to it just to see if I come up with anything that's kind of interesting that the song doesn't do and then mm-hmm. it'll just be my own like creative spin on it and if I'm really like actually I have no idea what goes on at this part of the song then I'll like dig in and oh, really yeah, listen yeah. and learn it <laughs> but I I don't know I, I do like a, a like a broken down ballad version of Sweet Child of Mine and mm. it's one of my favorite things that I perform and that's the reaction that I've gotten as well and I think it's cool to just like throw a totally different spin on a song and the reaction that I've gotten is those lyrics can totally work as like a quiet sad ballad Um, but instead it's like a big heavy Guns N' Roses rock song yeah (laughs) (laughs) and I think it's fun to kind of like throw a curveball and see what happens yeah Um, where are you playing that lets you uh, play play ballads Play ballads? Yeah. They don't love it when I play ballads. <laughs> <That's what I'm laughs> I throw one in every once in a while. <laughs> they, don't, they don't love that. Uh, but then someone knows that I do it and they ask me for it. And I'm like, oh, you're tipping me? Okay, I'll, do, right, it. I'll do it. I'll do this ballad. Yeah. Um, what was I saying about the cover gigs before? We got so excited. Yeah. Uh, I was asking for advice to people who wanted to be songwriters and like try it, get in front of people. Oh, yes. I know what I'm saying. Um... So the other night, I so I'm working on my EP right now. Yes, and I, uh, so I always have to do cover songs at that gig, and I snuck an original in there, <sighs> and I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. And often at these cover gigs, it's like at a restaurant or bar, and people, you know, they're there to eat, they're there to be entertained, they're there to enjoy their conversation with whoever they're with. Yeah, and they're not there to like clap and cheer for whoever's performing. Which is a little discouraging sometimes, yeah. uh, especially when you like belt your face off and you feel really good about what you just did, mm-hmm. and then they just like 
pick the fork full of salad up to their mouth and just look at you and look, oh, oh. all right, four more hours of this. <laughs> <laughs> but the other night I was like an hour and a half into my gig, no claps, no anything. Oh. And I played an original of mine that's going to be on my EP. And I didn't like say that I was doing it or anything. I just did it. Mm. And the whole restaurant erupted in applause and like cheering. And then people started coming up to me and oh. I, that made my night, that made my night. It really, yeah. it really did. And I was like, okay, I guess there's a reason to be making this EP and to be putting my music out into the world. There are a lot of reasons. shortly. Yeah. And I, I related to whoever was sitting there somehow enough that they were able to like drop their fork and show their gratitude for yeah. me performing that song, which was a, a really exciting thing since I haven't put out my original music yet. Yeah. And it, it kind of made me feel like, all right, as scary as this gets sometimes and as frustrating as this of a process that this is, I gotta keep doing it. That's so exciting. So I think that's you. that's the advice to just do it and hopefully you're gonna get the reaction that you want. And if like <laughs> if it ends up being something that's not your bag, you'll you'll figure it out. But you gotta keep trying because there's also a lot of terrible songs that come out before anything decent comes out. Amen. The necklace. The necklace. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the necklace. <laughs> <laughs> So you have this EP coming out. I do. That is so exciting. I'm so scared. It's your, it's your debut EP. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. So so talk to me about why that uh, this project is so important to like... It's taken so long. It has taken... That's, that's why it's yeah. important, I guess. Um, How many songs is it? It's going to be six. That's six great. songs. Great. And I'm still figuring out project name, all that good stuff. Um, I've just been so focused on trying to figure out how it's all coming together uh-huh. musically yeah. that I just haven't thought of my name <laughs> or anything like that. Um, that stuff just like come, kind of comes at the last minute. I, I think it'll just, yeah, I think it'll it, just come. Kate it. Steinberg isn't really the best like badass like female superstar name. <laughs> 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 so I think we're going to come up with something else. Um, gem. Gem. There it is. There not, not been used. Nope. And now, How to Sleep Alone, music by Joel B. New, lyrics by Heidi Heilig, performed by Vishal Vaidya. It's midnight now, there's too much space, I can't fall asleep. I feel out of place I watch out the window And wait by the phone Trying to remember How to sleep alone One o'clock, the bed's too cold There's nothing to cuddle, there's nothing to hold The quilt's too thin, the bed feels like a stone Trying to remember how to sleep alone And I can't keep on thinking I had to sleep instead I had to do the best I can I have to get you out of my head I have to stop thinking about An empty heart An empty bed Long since I've been on 
I don't remember I can't remember But I'm trying to remember How to sleep alone